Ladies, gentlemen, and everyone in between, I'm Orion Laval. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, I believe? I think so. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Is this, are, are we doing a podcast? Yeah, and it's not about demons. It's not about demons? It's not about demons. We're not doing a podcast about demons? No, we're doing one about devils. I swear they're different. Whoa! I swear. Enumerate how in like a 45-minute episode. <laughs> it's not this one, though. Oh, that we're one. doing the one after that one? <laughs> Which one are we doing? I don't know. It's going to take a minute until we get to the ones that are really different. It's going to... Until we get to the really different... Yeah. What, but what, what are we doing today? Today, we're talking about the... Let me call my wife. Barb! <laughs> Barb, get down here! Make me a sandwich. I'm old. Bring me a beer, Barb. It's the... It's the Barb devil. Wow, what a coincidence. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. That's how we're starting the episode. I don't know, is it? That's how it is. That's how it's done. We're done now. I'm not retaking it. <laughs> it's this is notoriously this, one take podcast. Yeah, this is a one this is a one take. <laughs> I'm not an amateur. We do a one take. This is two the now. We're talking about the barb devil. The barbed devil. The I, barbed. The barbed devil. It's been a long day, alright? It's For, Orion has been through me, some shit. Yeah, let me it's, turn my cap back and sit on the chair backwards and talk real. <laughs> This is going to be kind of a train wreck. <laughs> so let's all just, let's all just, you know, count the casualties together. Well, uh, I'll make sure you have to say Hamachula. Yeah. You have to say Hamachula. Hamachula. if you start yelling Barb in the Barb. middle of talking about this devil, we're going to lose it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to keep doing that bit. It's not that funny. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Hamachula. 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 It, it does sound like a spice, like... I'm going to season a, a fine, tasty pesto <laughs> with a it. a nice, delicious hamachula. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grind some fresh hamachula. Uh, so, in terms of what this devil actually is, it is kind of like a, a watchman of sorts. In, in generally speaking, so like, generally speaking, it's a devil. There's not a whole <laughs> lot, like, pretty much the big important, you know, beats the PowerPoint uh, presentation that we gave last time is pretty specifically on point for this guy. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that makes this particular devil notable is its sort of sense of alertness and its ability to, like, watch over things. They they tend to be, like, particularly attentive compared to what we're told the average devil. And so I'm going to refer to this guy as, like, the Watchman in the same way that I referred to the Kazmi as the Watchman of Devils. Um, and I think it's going to fill a pretty similar ecological space. That's fair. Uh, there is a lot of kind of, I don't know, the same problems with demons that I have, I have with this guy where it's just kind of, he's there. Yeah. He doesn't really fit any of the uh, cool talking points about devils that we wanted to talk about before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This seems to be more of like a horde soldier yeah. more than an actual like character. Which was funny because when I looked into like how they were depicted previously, apparently at one point they were the greatest of the lesser devils. Oh. And now they're just kind of, that's why they were entrusted to guard things. They were watch guards. But mm. now they're just kind of yeah, yeah, spiky guards. Yeah, now it's just like <laughs> dungeon filler. Yeah. Which is fine. Like, we need dungeon filler. But, you know, in, in terms of like singular monsters, it's not the coolest. Yeah. Uh, but do you, would you like, do you, do you want to talk about the, the Debla? I'd like to talk about the design of the Debla. All right. Are you, are you at home listening? 
ready to talk about the design of the Debla. This is what we didn't say. Devils is going to be an all ASMR podcast. Mm. <laughs> this is, I'm eating lettuce. Hans. <laughs> Yeah, what a Please, weird. That's terrible. That's a that's weird the genre. Worst I, I don't get it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> it's just okay. So artistically, uh-huh. uh, I. I, it, it might just be because I'm functionally exhausted, uh, but man, is this quite a bit funnier than I remember it being. <laughs> uh, it kind of like, it looks like a gremlin, like a goblin. Yeah, it looks like a goblin for sure. But like just a really eminently pointy goblin. Yeah, he's a tall, spindly, pointy goblin. Yeah, but not like not like outrageously spindly. He's not like, I feel like we've had spindlier monsters. Yeah, that might be so. Uh, it kind of, for my money, it just kind of looks like a, a dude with spikes and a tail. I I was thinking about the design of this uh, over the last couple days, and mm. I think if somebody had said the words goblin and hobgoblin to me, I would have thought this was what a hobgoblin was. Yeah. It kind of gives me that vibe of just bigger, weirder, pointier goblin. Yeah. It's it's not very intimidating at all. And I, you know, I, <laughs> as I am so often on record as saying, I kind of like it when the monster isn't terribly intimidating looking. Uh, I it, love his weird, like, ah! Yeah, like he looks like he's been caught off guard. (laughs) Like what? What's going on? (laughs) Which is, you know, thematically uh, unlikely, but it it is a very just like silly. It's just like a really silly design. And Um, something important to note about the design, especially compared to like other ones in this book. This is just straight up the art from 3rd edition. Oh, really? This is the exact art ripped straight from 3rd edition. Yeah, looks like Ice Devils are pretty similar as well. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I haven't looked at the 5th edition art in comparison, but Mm. this is like... Yeah, that is pretty much dead on. (laughs) It is the same picture. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. So they must have been like, oh, yeah. We fucking nailed it two editions ago. Yeah, we'll just... Fourth edition, let's never talk about this thing again. <laughs> Boy, that 4E one's quite weird. Yeah, 4E, they got kind of scaly and made of metal, but, you yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, the 4E one looks like the hob... Like the, the Peter Parker hobgoblin. Like, it looks like... Looks like the <laughs> Spider-Man hobgoblin. <laughs> weird, weird choice. Boy, I can't believe they really did just copy-paste the... The three version. Yeah, I feel the... like that happened with something else too, but I can't. I know. The life of me, remember. We've had a few that were pretty close. Yeah. But I don't think we've had one that was just Lifted. a clear rip. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, which like, whatever. I I'm fine with the design as it is, and I understand that fifth edition is meant to be, in many regards, sort of uh, reinvocation of third edition ideals right. and design principles. Uh, it does feel a little weird. Yeah, like. Uh... A little cheap. Yeah, <laughs> but like, whatever. I wouldn't have known unless I looked into it like I am. That's fair. Uh, so like, whatever. Whatever gets, I guess, whatever gets the book published a little bit faster. It's not really imperative. Uh, though I will say that I think that this design isn't very uh, indicative of what the Barbed Devil is about. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Right, like, there's nothing... It doesn't, it doesn't look alert. We've already established that it looks <laughs> like you caught him. A- 
Honestly, I mean, like, I don't, I, I don't want to get a little blue, but it did look an awful lot with the way that he's nudity and covering his, <laughs> and covering his, beam, his, bliss. <laughs> his beam bliss. It does look an awful lot that he was, you know, he was, he was breaking off a barb of his own. <laughs> But I don't want to. I don't want to make. Know, don't start false rumors. I don't want to play that joke. But it does look an awful lot like he was caught. Uh, <laughs> Get out of my room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> strange, strange, strange. Uh, strange choice. It does look an awful lot like censor. Like it doesn't. Like we can have a Dungeons and Dragons monster that just that just like terminates at the thighs. You don't need to imply that something's there. Yeah, you don't need the implication of a beepus. Yeah, but apparently we're getting into the whole the whole schlongum territory <laughs> up in there. I again What's new? It's slightly implied. Whatever. And like I can I can see a little bit of, like a bone. It doesn't quite look like something's there. I might just be, you know, chasing waterfalls, so to speak. So to speak. But it's diff difficult to say. I truth be told, I don't even care that much. Whatever you can, I don't care about yeah. the 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 of the, yeah. the devil. Yeah. What's more interesting to me is the fact that he looks like he's being caught off guard, and that there isn't a whole lot of design choices meant to invoke this alertness that we get a lot. Of, the only thing that we get in the lore in this book. Yeah, he's right? got tiny little eyes. And yeah, little beady eyes. Yeah, little beady eyes. See, like I can understand, you know, and I. They could have done a really cool silhouette thing where, like, you know, he's spiny. It could have made it look like his hackles were raised like a cat. And right. I think that could have played alertness in some way. Or maybe that's it, why he looks surprised. I was going to say, maybe, maybe it's that. supposed to be like he's jumpy. He's, like, always on alert. Like yeah. Maybe that is what that's supposed to. Yeah, maybe that is what it's supposed to. But the book does immediately say that they are <laughs> difficult to surprise. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a weird. So so I don't know what the, what the hell about that, huh? It just feels like a pose that is not necessarily thematically relevant to what the monster is about, which is not my favorite. Even if it is kind of cute to have just like this like <laughs> schlubby dad bod, uh, pokey porcupine kind of goblin thing yeah do you want to see the second edition yeah show me the second edition Bong. oh there he is yeah, yeah that's i real, love him that's real gobbly yeah that's gobbly just looks like a, a big chonky goblin yeah he looks he's a little more thick in this art than he is in. yeah yeah he's a little more thick. <laughs> what stands out to me more is that it looks a little bit more desperate right he looks he's kind of got like a golem pose going on yeah and it uh, looks like at least by the way they lit it that he's holding something valuable yeah <laughs> Yeah, Which, and like like he's staring intently at it. I feel like that is a little bit more accurate to oppose than yeah for the whole greed and desire bit of yeah yeah he's doing the like Frieza thing where he's got a finger up to his <laughs> oh and I, I don't know about that. Um, his face looks kind of like a fish man, like from Castlevania. He's got kind of got like that. the fin ears and the fish face. I can see bit. that. Yeah, fishman. Here's that. Here's right. first edition. First edition, very mythological. <laughs> yeah, like that. this one looks like you would find it on a vase. Yeah, yeah, I like that quite a bit. Uh, way to go, one e for for keeping like a, I think first edition has like a really except for the cloaker, which is <laughs> the standout king of first edition designs. Well, it's... it seems to maintain a pretty clear like ethos like design ethos it's pretty hit or miss for me because like sometimes it's like this is just a guy 
Or like, yeah. this is just a guy, but with horns. Yeah. But sometimes they get like cool monster little... Yeah, it's not lines. even... Yeah, so when I say that, I it's not that I enjoy the monster design itself. I enjoy the presentation and the artistic style. Right. Right, so it it's... Most of the 1E drawings are presented like I would find it in a Bible drawing. Right, Like okay. an, old, an Old Testament or something. Uh, and and I appreciate that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, there isn't, like, much to say about him because you really can sum him up in... Yeah, Spiky Goblin with tail. Four or five words. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like how its tail, like, wisps off, you know? I, I feel like the original or, like, the immediate... Uh, impulse would be to like throw a little spike at the tip and I like that it kind of kind of whips off yeah exactly yeah. like in the fourth edition one where fourth it's, edition uh, just turned into like spiky barbs at the end yeah and I like that this one just kind of tapers off really gently in a in a kind of neat way um, but yeah yeah it's a it's a spiky goblin it kind of reminds me of like a and it might be because it is the third edition thing it does feel very like late 90s it kind of feels like a can't exactly put my finger on it, but it remind it kind of reminds me of like a early two thousands monster used to sell toys or something, right? Like, yeah, kind of reminds me of like a scanner's situation. Yeah, I could see that. I could see this thing being sold. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> a toy that you give to your child and they constantly hurt themselves with it. Yeah, like a Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty good, pretty good. And I do like, you know, when I say that it looks like kind of just a schlubby dude and I like that, I think that there is an axis of fiendism that, uh, you know, I, w- I want to believe that this is a curse in some way. So I like having these vestiges of humanity, right? Like the nipples and the potential dimpus and the, <laughs> like just regular dude shape. It does feel like this was a person, what, like me or you. Yeah. That got turned into a monster. Or even, like, if if because it looks goblinoid, maybe this was a goblin, and it yeah. fell, fell to, to Avernus and turned into this crazy... Yeah, into this crazy thing. And to that end, I kind of wish that it was more clearly, like, stabbing itself. Like, if we got the a little bit uh, more just through the pose, the feeling of, like, it's just bad to move in this <laughs> situation. Yeah, it's just this. bad to be a big spiny <laughs> this. Uh I think that would have been that would have been very helpful in conveying the idea that being a devil is a shitty time. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, there's just not not quite too much to this pose. Yeah. I mean it's like the more I look at him, the more I like him just because he's kind of Yeah, it's very silly. And I like it from silly. that yeah. from that perspective. But in terms of like trying to get across some some thematic ideas about what a devil is, it's not quite there. Yeah. But it, don't get me wrong. It is a very good, like, Sasquatch pose that I like quite a bit <laughs> for for being a Sasquatch pose. Sasquatch, that's good. I didn't even consider. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of the lore, uh, we generally... So, so thankfully, this time around, we get the description of the monster first, which I feel like should be generally uh, how these, these things are arranged. We get pretty much like what we said. Uh, barb devils, they look like tall people covered in spines. Um, generally speaking, the rest of the little kind of plot details that we get are that they are creatures of unbridled greed and desire, uh, and that they generally act as guards to more powerful devils within the Nine Hells and, you know, tend to act as, like, vault guardians and whatnot. Um, they, generally speaking, are, as most devils are, uh, very reward-centric. 
and will consequently, as most devils do, uh, they'll look for fights in order to gain station and rewards and power and money and stuff like that. Yeah. Furthermore, we learn, as I mentioned, that the barbed devils, they are known for an alertness and they are difficult to surprise and they're constantly on the lookout for, uh, you know, things that, you know, invaders to the things they might be guarding. And that generally speaking, they are more attentive than the average devil. Like their their like focus is a little bit less breakable and that they tend to tend, as the book says, they tend to their duties without uh, without boredom or distraction. They're very job centric. Yeah, exactly. They're they're task oriented. They're going to put that <laughs> shit on their devil resume. Uh, and when they find trespassers, they usually like uh, stab them with their claws or burn them with fire magic that they can do. Yeah. Something that was brought up from past editions is that apparently, and I think this is something I'm glad they left out for once, mm. uh, it says that they can't be bribed mm. because, <laughs> which to me, it's like, well, they're greedy, so that would be like an in for players. Yeah. But the reason that they can't be bribed is because they're so job-oriented, and their rationale is that if I just kill them, I get the thing anyway. Right. Yeah. But, I'm glad they left that out for once. Usually I'm like, oh, I wanted a little more, but that's something that... Yeah. I like leaving that in for players. Yeah. If they learn, oh, the Hamachla, the barbed devil is greedy. Well, we... Yeah. Grease the wheels a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I generally like those those nonviolent approaches, and I like it when the book presents that as an option. Uh, especially since this is so clearly just a dungeon fodder kind of monster, right? It even, you know, the book says it's used to guard dungeons effectively. Uh, it would have been nice to have, you know, I always like those, those non-combat, uh, means of victory. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was a little bit more, uh, flaw baked into this monster. Yeah. I mean, that... Greed and desire, I guess, is like more than we got for most of every other demon and everything. Yeah, so like yeah, I yeah, that there is an element like that. I'm just trying to think of this vis-a-vis, uh, you know, adventure hooks, right? Like if we're in the nine hells and we're trying to, you know, how do how do we make an NPC out of this guy, or how do we, you know, create an adventure hook such that a barb devil it becomes usable or the viable, the most obvious choice. Uh, and I mean, like the most obvious answer is like they'll guard whatever thing you need in the nine hells. Uh, but what else you got? Hear me out. Yeah. Do you remember from the Spyro games, money bags? Do you remember the money bag guy? <laughs> I've never played Spyro, oh but I my like the. God. I don't know. Sorry, uh, but I can imagine a Scrooge McDuckian archetype. Kinda, yeah. He's just this big fat guy, like bare thing in a tux with a monocle or whatever. Beautiful, love and it. And there's like the path that you need to go mm-hmm. will be totally fine, and then something will break it. Sometimes him. And then he'll stand in front of it with his big money bags. And he's just like, I could fix it if you'd just give me $500. Just I imagine it's like this guy patrolling everywhere as a guard, just waiting for an adventurer to come by and just be like, you can get in, but it's going to cost you a lot of money. That's pretty good. I kind of like that, like job security kind of thing. And I... Yeah, he's always on the job and he's always ready, but... Yeah, but like he's making his own job and i think that could be a really fun angle to take this character where like um i almost wonder if like the the greed of the barb devil 
prompts the the devil to start exploring the nine hells and gathering whatever shit they can and then they're like oh look at all this shit that i'm just <laughs> dying to give to my lord if only there if only he had somebody to guard it <laughs> right and is like bringing whatever they can find in the hells to whatever demon lord they serve or whatever devil lord they serve uh whatever arc devil they serve sorry yeah. let me get the terminology right uh, and then they're, you know, providing their own job security by bringing to them this valuable thing to guard. That's I think pretty that, good. Yeah. I think that'd be pretty fun. In which case, that could be another adventure arc where, like, the Barb Devil sees these adventurers that are quite good at amassing funds or whatever and either tricks them into giving them their money. Like, yeah, I'll give give me 50 whatever and I'll, I'll take you to... Demogor, I don't fucking... Give me that really fancy Frostbrand sword you have, and I'll let you through. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, they just take it and become guardian of the Frostbrand <laughs> of of uh, Levistus or whatever. Uh, and then, or alternatively, you know, they they're, they could hire the party in order to find more stuff to, to bring, uh, to, to give to this Barb Devil, to in turn give to their Arc Devil <laughs> uh, Duke or Duchess. Uh, in order to to uh, ascend in power and rank and whatnot, kind of like that. It's pretty good. Yeah. But I'm imagining a lot of these things could also apply to other devils as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. I like I like applying them to him because he looks so like... Yeah, he's a little sniveling. <laughs> and then also there's that greed angle yeah. that I, I think is an interesting application where like the greed is not for me, but the greed is for someone, for my superior. Uh, and then, you know, by degrees for me. It's for me by proxy. <laughs> yeah. There is uh, one other thing that this is something I haven't been able to bring up since, like, I think Dusk Mantles. Mm. I like it when ex external lore gives you uh, why somebody would hunt a creature, like something that materialistically the creature can give you, like the Dusk Mantles eyes or whatever. Yeah, it's used, used for, for spell components spell or components. something. I forget. Uh, apparently. Mm. Uh, barbed devils have glands behind their ears oh. that secrete hallucinogenic substances. Oh. Uh, it's most commonly used by greater devils as a torture or interrogation tool, but okay. <laughs> rumors exist that large quantities could produce powerful potions of illusion. Oh. And that's the kind of shit... <laughs> yeah, no, that's quite cool. I like that quite a bit. I thought you were going to go like an LSD thing with it. Or <laughs> I, like, well, yeah, I yeah. think it is, yeah. but... <laughs> that is pretty good. Uh, I like that. I also... Yeah, that could in some way be uh, the other thing to bring you into a like a nest of barbed devils or something like... Yeah. You know, Mephistopheles is like, give me that good shit for my potions, <laughs> huh? Uh, and then sends you into a big nest of barbed devils or something in order to out the ranks or whatever yeah it's something that i wish that like every monster had in yeah. the books is like a thing yeah a witcher-esque yeah. application to mechanical stuff what ingredient do i get from this thing what does it make that i benefit from yeah yeah i agree i like that quite a bit you want to talk about mechanical stuff <laughs> yeah i guess i guess <laughs> just, also like, just not yeah just like yeah skip it you know no <laughs> and then you just get up and go I just, I think I've had enough this week. I'll be gone. Farewell. <laughs>
So mechanically, uh, the Barb Devil, it is a lawful evil fiend. It is, as you would expect, a medium-sized creature. It has an average armor class of 15, and then technically a little bit below average hit points of 110, uh, and then a regular person 30-foot speed. Uh, in terms of its attributes, they are, you know, above average slash higher across the board. It's not quite OC, do not steal, but it's still pretty good. There aren't any negative stats, and they tend to run the gamut from, you know, on average, like 14 to like 18. Yeah. With uh, just a plus 12 or a plus one to intelligence being the lowest stat that they have. In terms of saving throws, these guys are pretty defensively strong. Mm. Uh, they get bonuses to strength, constitution, wisdom, and charisma saves, so... Guess what? <laughs> buff casters, debuff casters. They get the shaft. Uh, because, <laughs> Fuck you. Because guess what? All devils also have. Yep, that we'll get to in a second. Yep. Take a wild fucking guess, people who listen to any demon episodes. <laughs> so that's another thing, you know, and that and that's kind of cool. I kind of like that. Like fiends writ large are just magically averse. Um, it kind of throws, ultimately, I feel like a fool because I touted that demon theory of magic resistance, them being just too chaotic to deal with the, like, entire ramification, like the order of the weave and magic and whatnot. Uh, so this kind of throws a wrench into that, but whatever. Uh, I it's uh, And it's as I recall, it's kind of a celestial thing writ large, like just the divine or arcane uh, resistant in some ways. I recall, like, a lot of the angels were had a pretty deep magic resistance as well, as I recall. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all yeah. of them did. So I, I kind of dig it being a celestial thing, like kind of like how in Dark Souls, magic and miracles are kind of fundamentally opposed. I kind of I kind of dig that. It might be planar. Yeah, it might be kind of a planar ideal, like like the, um, well, not earthly. What's the word? Heavenly? Well, no, like magic is such a like, it's mundane it's powerful to the mundane yeah. where like we do not nobody on the material plane or anything like that would have like a strong resistance to all magic mm -hmm. but everyone in every outer plane is just like yeah it's yeah. magic yeah <laughs> like they've grown with it whereas you know the the material plane folk have not necessarily grown with it in their blood in the same way or something like that yeah which would kind of make sense like elves are kind of magically immune and that they can't be charmed or put to sleep and whatever yeah uh, so yeah, yeah, I'll buy that. Pretty good. Uh, they get bonuses to a bunch of skills, which kind of make them social encounter creatures to some extent. So they get bonuses to deception and insight and perception. And the deception insight thing is kind of true for a fair bit of devils. It starts to break down when we start to get into higher and higher CR stuff. Yeah. And that, so like, I looked at the stat block before I read the lore. And when I saw those, I was like, oh, this is going to be kind of a cool social creature as well. Like we're going to get some like interesting character flaws or whatever things that could make a character out of this devil not entirely true and i am a little bit bummed out that our first devil after that entire devil lore episode where i'm like finally we can get characters yeah uh it didn't quite pan out for this one but even so like you know even if you ignore some of the like i'm a perfect employee thing uh you could probably make a decent character out of this just because of the skills that it has yeah for sure and like Greed has been the defining characteristic of many an NPC. That's so true. Like, yeah, that's true. It's definitely, at, at the very least, a launching point. For yeah. You. Yeah. And it's not like they're necessarily infallible, right? If only because the fifth edition book doesn't quite get in into that 
they can't be bribed kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can still like, fuck it. It's not in this one. They can take bribes. Who exactly. cares? That's Whatever. what I was saying. I was like, I'm glad they left it out because yeah. thank God we need, that's something you need. Yeah. 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 Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so that, that is good. Um, they are beyond just their saving throws. They're still quite resistant to a lot of things. So let's start getting into the, uh, stuff that is devil centric, right? Yeah. So, um, this tends to be true, I'm finding, of all devils. All devils are resistant to cold damage, and they're also resistant to the bludgeoning and piercing and slashing damage from non-magical weapons that aren't silvered. Uh, so if you come at them with a silver weapon, it'll do full damage. If you come at them with a magic weapon, it'll do full damage. All other weapons don't. So that's kind of cool, right? You get to live out your Belmont dream. Yeah, I'm glad that they added that little tick of silvered weapons in yeah. there, because, like, they already get like an extra immunity that devil that demons well, <laughs> that yeah, demons didn't have uh and i do like them being like adding this one little like caveat to one of their resistances yeah i seriously seriously want like curse of strahd isn't quite enough for me i do want to do one of these days an entire castlevania ass com- campaign yeah uh and like the problem with that is that uh silvered weapons become obsolete very quickly like as soon as you hit level three there's pretty much no need. You're probably more likely to find a magic weapon than a silver weapon. Yeah. Uh, and I, it almost makes me want to do like, because um, low magic is a pretty common trope in these dark fantasy kind of things like Witcher and Castlevania and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does make me kind of want a a low magic campaign of sorts where, where a lot of the time, like the, the stuff that you find is silvered and that's about the best you can get until every now and again, you find some ancient relic. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I don't know how power creep would work in a low magic thing, but that's a discussion for another time. Like how character power increase would work if you're not getting even like a plus one magic weapon, like that kind of thing. But that's a discussion. I, don't, for... I honestly don't think it would be all that bad. Players tend to get a lot of verbs in D and D and you know, you're getting a lot of new true. stuff every other level up. And if literally anyone's a spellcaster, then and, and let's, let's, <laughs> let's all be real here. Pretty much every single D and D party has been incredibly overpowered forever. Uh, for yeah. <laughs> for like at least the the entire history of this game, I think you could probably reliably only dole out maybe like five magic items in a campaign, uh, and you'd probably still be fine. Yeah, make them all like relics. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, that, that's my that's my two cents. <laughs> my spicy spicy take. Too much take. Too much matula in that take. The other thing that all devils tend to have is an immunity to fire, fire, and poison. So like the fire, the poison poisoned thing for demons was fine because poison doesn't really come up that much, and poisoned doesn't really come up that much. Uh, but fire damage is really, 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 and that might just be because my friend Travis here <laughs> plays a fire genasi. But fire damage seems to be pretty common in D anD. Uh, so that's quite a quite a bit interesting uh, and a lot more like deadly and dangerous and risky. And I kind of think that's kind of awesome. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that their immunity is why Travis is afraid of the future in our D&D game. Yeah, yeah, that'll actually <laughs> be quite scary for reasons that are only interesting to us, too. Yep. <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's, that's a thing. Uh, I, it's not really like the biggest deal, right? Because you as a caster shouldn't really be limiting yourself to one damage type anyway. And there are a lot of spells that can do a lot of different damage types. Yeah. And like a, the, well, sorry. 
No, that's fine. And there are a lot of ways to, at least now, what with the, the UA stuff, a lot of ways to change, um, at least for, I mean, and like sorcerers can change their their element uh, damage with, with sorcery points now. And um, I, I feel like, and like wizards just learn enough spells that it's probably not a big deal. I think that this isn't the craziest thing, but like the, just to have the, you know, the, the courage to make a, uh, an entire classification of monster immune to this pretty common damage type. It's kind of cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it is a, it, it definitely is like a thing can like imagining, say my character who is mainly a fire magic based person did not have a way to do spells that are not fire based. Yeah. And I did just kind of like take only fire damage spells forever. And then the DM just, here's a creature you just can't deal damage to. Here's 10 more creatures that you just can't deal damage to. Yeah. Like, huh. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that sucking really hard. Yeah. So so I guess what I we, we mean to say is don't be that DM. Yeah, please. Uh, it's cool, you know, it's cool for a fight to, to you know, make entirely impotent your, your fire-based caster. Um, but generally speaking, that's not something you want to sink into unless you can come up with a way for the character slash player to still be reliable and valid 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 uh within a fight and also players cover your bases is what i'm saying yeah which yeah <laughs> you should probably be doing but you don't necessarily need to think to do it um yeah. because of the really weird etiquette in D that keeps people from looking into the monster manual ever really yeah right yeah uh, which I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of. Like, mm -mm. part of a game is figuring out the rules of the game. I don't know, man. Yeah, I feel you. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I understand, like, and, and this does feel like a conversation that's too beyond the scope of one episode. But I do think that, like, it's probably fair to telegraph a fair bit of what's on the stat block uh, just to make deterministic choices because you're playing a game. Um, yeah. But... But on the same, at the same time, like you probably shouldn't look at a stat block in order to figure out the thing that you're supposed to deduce. Yeah, with you your should brain. keep like a shred of mystery for yourself. Yeah, or yeah, even for like the sense of mystery, that is that is true. Uh, yeah, difficult to say. <laughs> they are also immune to the poisoned condition, for what it's worth, which is whatever. <laughs> so be it. <laughs> so be it. It just means that we can put more poison pits in with the fire pits when we design these. These uh, combat encounters. Poison fire pits. It does both, baby. Get you a pit who can do both. <laughs> you take poison damage and fire damage. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of their senses, they get dark vision out to 120 feet. This is another thing. Well, this is kind of in line with something that every devil gets. The devil sight thing. The thing that warlocks can get. Uh, we'll get into it in a second. They also have, as you would expect, a pretty high passive perception of 18. So these are kind of like the spotters or the snipers or the watchmen of sorts. Yeah. Uh, but who watches the watchmen? Not me, because I uh, don't have H Hulu, HBO, HBO Hulu? Uh, one of whatever. Just <laughs> fill it with whatever makes the joke work. <laughs> they also speak Infernal, as you would expect uh, for something that lives in the Nine Hells, Infernal being the language of the devils. And they also have telepathy out to 120 feet. And this is more or less more demon-esque kind of things where, like, this is a way for commanders to talk to underlings and vice versa and make sure that everybody is communicating and working as a tightly oiled machine. And I, I hope that we do get a lot of devils that have really high telepathy mm -hmm. so that they 
can present as this very rigid hierarchy for that is what the Nine Hells is. Oh, and they have a CR of five. I feel like I should have said that first, but I didn't. Womp, womp. I don't think we said it for a lot of the demons anyway, so... I feel like I usually say it for... I'm pretty sure I say if it first do, thing. If you do, you say it first, and I don't notice. I'm pretty... Because it's a big important <laughs> thing, right? CR is kind of the central number that defines the monster. That's true. We it's a CR of five. thing about it early on in the show, so you're right. <laughs> yeah, so sorry about that. Uh, in terms of its traits, they are pretty much what you would expect, right? We're not, like, missing anything that I would expect to see, right? So... The first trait is kind of a flavor trait more than anything else. It's called Barbed Hide, this being a spiny boy. At the start of each of its turns, the Barbed Devil will deal 5 1d10 piercing damage to any creature grappling it. This feels kind of like an edge case. I don't really see a lot of grappling going on in D&D combat often. Yeah. Uh, I almost wish that it was just like uh, whenever you deal damage to this creature, it does X amount of damage to you. Oh. Yeah, that I I never I didn't notice that that is something that has changed also because it used to be that one of these the uh, the tactics for these things is to run straight at somebody and grapple them oh. to grapple and then restrain them and deal damage to them. But I guess they changed that for 5th edition. Yeah, now they seem to be more like spell snipers than or kind of just like standard guard soldiers than anything else. Hmm. Um yeah, I I imagine this could have been a an interesting kind of thing where like, yeah, they are kind of like dogpiling onto players and do, doing damage while also rending them with claws and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but as it stands, I really don't think like, I, and maybe it's just because uh, I feel like on average, people aren't grappling nine monsters ten, that often. Yeah. Nine out of 10 times, unless somebody is like a 20 strength barbarian and they're flexing. Yeah. It, it does not really happen. doesn't come up that often. So yeah, I kind of wish they had reworked it so that it, just did damage whenever you made a melee attack on it or something. Yeah. But oh well. Second trait it gets is Devil Sight, that warlock thing. Uh, basically what happens is, is that magical darkness, uh, the, the devil can see through it, magical darkness, uh, where typically, even with dark vision, magical darkness would still plot that out. Uh, in this instance, they can see through it. So that's kind of interesting, and that it typically aligns with having 120 feet of dark vision. At least it does for warlocks uh, who are given 120 dark vision and also the ability to see through magical darkness. Yeah. Which means that, like, I don't know which of these devils are... Well, I, I'm hoping that one of these devils has darkness as a as a innate spellcasting thing. gotta, right? Somebody has to have it. Yeah, it just, like, <laughs> that would just be a great encounter, right? Like, things <laughs> flying out of the darkness. I It might end up being like, a, oh, I just have disadvantage for the entire fight or whatever. Uh, but I think you could do use that with this hypothetical, you know, warlock or whatever. Uh, I think you could use that for some really interesting area denial yeah. within a fight. I wonder if there's any. I'd, I'd have to read into the, the the layers of hell more. I wonder if any of the layers are in Firma Magical Darkness. As I recall, it doesn't say. None of them say. I don't think any of them are in like constant darkness. Mm. Um, if it was going to be missing something. If it was going to be one, I bet it'd be the hag one. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope the hag one has it. Uh, Just because if for nothing, no other reason, the description was like this much of the page compared to the other. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully <laughs> it would be a cool, a cool touch for like a higher level party. Yeah, just a whole a whole layer of magical darkness. You're like, we're working our way down through the hells. Then suddenly they get down to the next layer. It's like, oh no, yeah. wait, shit. Oh fuck, go <laughs> home. That'd be pretty good. Yeah, as it is, I I I think that this would be 
an interesting trait to have with a magic, like a spellcaster, like a warlock or whatever that's slinging darkness around. Yeah. Uh, or like some glyphs or something that casts darkness. I think that would be kind of cool. Oh man, a whole layer of magical darkness would really make like a cleric with the sunlight spell mean something. Yeah, it's like yeah. From, you have to have that to get through the layer. Yeah, that could be cool. No, and then also they have magic resistance. Yeah, it's back. <laughs> it's, it's back. back. It's back. Uh, so yeah, so this is just another, another in the list of enemy types that are magic heavily magic resistant. And this plus the saving throw bonuses that it gets means that the debuff casters ain't going to do shit and the damage casters are going to do quite a lot less shit, especially if they generally lean on fireball. Uh, so so do with that what you will. It's cool every now and again, but bear in mind that D&D is a very high magic game. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of character classes will be rendered obsolete pretty immediately by, you know, a, a lot of these uh, waves of these kinds of monsters. Yeah, it's bonkers to me that the way that fiends in general, I mean, like, it makes sense, but it's bonkers that fiends in general are balanced so that every spellcaster is bad against them except paladins. Yeah. Paladins are the only ones that are just like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. And it does make sense. I don't know. It does feel weird. Like, I never liked... um. I never liked silence in RPGs, right? Yeah, like that I, just stops magic. Yeah, it just stops magic. It just feels like a really dumb design choice to be like, here's the like a core foundation of things that, you know, a, a, a huge massive set of verbs by which you do this game, and I'm just gonna take them out. And it feels weird when when games elect to make that choice and make it so easily, right? Because like mm -hmm. silence is a pretty common spell in in Very stuff. Low level. <laughs> yeah, especially in like Final Fantasy and whatnot. It seems weird to, in in this is in the same vein, to have an entire monster type that is just not immune, but pretty heavily guarded against the thing that most characters spend a lot of time doing. Yeah, functionally immune. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird to me. It feels kind of sticky. Um, conversely, I like that anti-magic field is a pretty late level spell for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it, kind of shitty that yeah. silence is almost like an anti-magic field for... Huh. Yeah, no, I like that anti-magic field as like an 8th <laughs> level spell, because that feels about right, because you don't want to stop all your character classes that only cast spells yeah. from doing the one thing they can do. Um, but it's weird. I don't know. Yeah. Not my favorite. And then we get some actions. The Barbed Devil makes a multi-attack. It takes a multi-attack for either of its two things that it generally does. Either it can do some melee attacks, three melee attacks, where it, you know, does one tail slap, and two claw slaps, and both have an average plus six to hit, uh, and they both have a reach of five feet. I kind of wish that the tail was a little bit longer, just because its tail doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Uh, and the claws do six 1d6 plus three piercing damage, and the tail does 10 2d6 plus three piercing damage. Slapping it all together, it's a fair bit below the damage budget. I don't think this is going to kill anybody by itself. This, in some ways, feels like it's supposed to be like, you know, a level 10 encounter with two or three of them. Yeah. Um, alternatively, instead of making a bunch of melee attacks, it can use its Hurl Flame action twice. And that's just like a Firebolt. Um, it's a ranged spell attack, it gets a below average plus 5 to hit, and it has a pretty far range of 150 feet. Uh, and when it hits, it does 10 3d6 fire damage, and also, if the thing it hits is flammable, but is not being worn or carried by a player, it'll catch fire. So yeah. that's kind of interesting. And I, I typically like it when fire spells incorporate 
that kind of systemic interaction. So like, it would be cool to, you know, if you're fighting in a dried up wooden garrison in the middle of Avernus or whatever, and he casts Hurl Flame and sets the entire thing afire, that would be kind of an interesting, you know, an interesting encounter. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that does sound like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, I've done that to you. Do you That's remember true. that one time like you library? set the entire library Yeah, apart? I do remember that. Yeah, it's cool. It was cool, pretty cool, yeah. Right? So take it from me, it's real cool when you do that, when you set on fire the thing that the players are fighting in. And that's kind of, generally speaking, what I, I think is a, a good setup for a combat encounter with these guys, where either you have them posted pretty far away in a larger fight with, you know, and, and truth be told, since this feels like a very standard guard monster, you could do, you know, like a level 10, level 15 encounter where one or two of them are in melee range trying to hamper the frontliners while another one of them is sitting in the back lines or way high up, picking away with uh, firebolts. Yeah. Seems pretty good. And if you want, you know, there's a whole bunch of icing on the cake where, like, I can imagine there being a warlock doing darkness and leaving some, you know, some area denial there. Or because they're immune to fire, you could put fire pits. Or hell, you could have it set in, like, a, a wooden garrison, like I mentioned, and just have the the barbed devil set fire to it with it still inside. And then it becomes <laughs> kind of like with the Abolith encounter, where, like, the the players are losing space while the barbed devil gains space that is favorable to them, right? So like as the thing gets more and more on fire, the barbed devil can just go wherever it wants, uh, and has more defense against the players who can't go into fire, obviously. Right. Yeah. Which could be cool, right? And could end up uh, padding out or making more complex a relatively standard monster, right? Yeah. That is that is definitely infinitely more interesting than what I was trying to figure out for this thing because I was just like yeah fuck man <laughs> yeah well it's presented just as like a guard like guard the devil yeah uh but i think that you know if you're if you're not interested in just having a you there quit breaking into this thing roll initiative kind of encounter and are interested in trying to make the best out of the barb devil i think that is about my best guess for it um and then obviously like maybe you can throw coins at it or whatever to get it to go away or, like, lie to it or whatever, but it has really good insight, so, like, that'll kind of complexify a, a social end what, to the encounter. What was the intelligence of the... 12. 12, okay. yeah, I was I trying to think, one. I was like, wouldn't throwing coins, <laughs> is that a valid... Well, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm being a little facetious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you could also be like, hey, listen, if you stop trying to kill us, we're going to go talk to Asmodeus right now, my boy. Uh, so we'll put in a good word, and then it becomes, you know, uh, who can be the better liar. <laughs> right kind of encounter which would be pretty good and doing the this kind of like fire environment thing does kind of set up an interesting dynamic where like maybe the barb devil is jumping into fire for cover which puts the onus on the players to try to grapple it and end up taking damage for it and that becomes kind of an interesting interplay where like do i want to take these you know two-ish rounds of of piercing damage in order to keep the devil within arm's reach for my teammates to slap at it i hadn't considered like give the party a reason to grapple it like yeah maybe they need to catch it for something like yeah they stole something important off the party or... yeah like that could be an interesting segment of like a chase of some kind as well yeah uh which which is kind of a cool edge case um i think yeah i think i think you can make use of it if you're aiming to make use of it yeah um but meh meh yeah cool cool yeah pretty good pretty good guard yeah, it's in terms of like first devil to talk about, 
it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could have been nothing. <laughs> it could have been right? nothing. Like, yeah. And I, I think like I can't remember what devils are beneath the barbed devil. It's uh, imps, imps, and then like maybe one other one. Um, but I think if this is supposed to be the standard devil to fight, I think it's a pretty, pretty fine, versatile creature. Yeah. Uh, right below it, weirdly, the bearded devil, oh. which looks more interesting, uh, and spined devil. Oh. Well, I don't know what the fuck the spine devil is. Yeah, I don't either. Is it just this again? <laughs> oh, I love the spine devil. I, did, I didn't. Oh. I think he looks really neat. <laughs> yeah, and he seems kind of interesting. Well, We'll tune, there. <laughs> tune in in like two months for Spine Devil. <laughs> that guy looks pretty good. It's a shame he's right after Pit Fiend. Yeah. <laughs> Baylor 2, Electric Boogaloo. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's pretty good. He's a good boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think like as a standard devil, the Barb Devil is pretty good. Versatile uh, and interesting enough to be decent dungeon fodder with still a little bit, you know, to it that uh, could lead to some interesting encounters. Yeah. And, like, it's nice that they built it with at least the intention of you talking to it. Yeah, by, yeah. By giving it the skills. Yeah, there is kind of an element of a social encounter there, yeah. uh, which I'm always down for. Good job. Yeah, well done. Yeah, uh, upgrades for you. You get to transform into a better devil, barbed devil. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail. If you enjoyed listening to this episode of Tooth and Nail, I would really just, boy, howdy, it would be super cool if you could leave us a good review <laughs> on whatever it is that you're listening uh, to us on, whether that be Spotify or uh, iTunes or, you know, whatever. I don't know your life. Um, and if you, like, super duper liked us, just dang, man, it would be just... the the beans knees <laughs> to go on nerdsmith and i don't know either like chat us up to your friends or like hell maybe you could even take a look at uh subscribing to us yeah for just like five dollars a month uh you can get access to a whole bevy of things that aren't just us but also people who are much better at making things than us <laughs> uh so really like you gotta you must. You must. It's in the contract that you signed when you started this podcast. You made it all the way to the end. You, We now own part of you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want the dark meat. <laughs> Jesus. But if you didn't like us, if you thought that last joke was weird, I don't blame you. Uh, feel free to, to just check out other things on nerdsmith.com uh, where you'll find a whole bunch of really cool stuff to look at for free. Uh, to look at and both look at with your eyes and look at with your ears. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so feel free to check all that out. In the meantime, what is a good creature comfort for this episode of Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast? If his spines worked the way I thought I did, I was going to say hug. I was going to say hug mm. your friends. Uh, get some acu acupuncture. Do <laughs> acupuncture. It's really scary. I've never done it. I'm terrified to do it. Yeah, it I don't me. like needles. <laughs> but if you're down for it, go get some acupuncture. I'm told it's okay. Take risks. Yeah, take risks. <laughs> Hug a porcupine. They love you. <laughs> That's what acupuncture is, right? Yeah, hug, hug a porcupine. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye-bye.